I'm sure there is some seeding going on and I'm sure she's got something sticky. It's September 14th, 2022, and this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 114. Well, I like Duncan, it's slow. There's no Duncans in Stowe. I'm Abel Kirby. And bringing you new style of roid rage, I'm Cold Acid. Get those roids right in you, baby. They're good for you. They're good for daddy. No, the, the problem is, the problem is the roids aren't in me. They're <gasps> out of me. Oh, there's your, yeah. Gotta get those roids, man. I hear you can yeah, go... They're, they're, Go to the doctor. What you got to do is just lie about your age. Say you're older than you are, and they'll give you, like, human growth hormone. That's the trick. You just tell him you're really old. I thought the, I thought the trick was just pushing them back in. <laughs> that or Preparation H. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, preparations <laughs> A, A, A through... Uh, uh, G. A through G uh, did, not, did not work, and now we're on Preparation H. You cut me off guard there. <laughs> Once in a blue moon, you, you can obviously catch me. didn't see my uh, didn't see my posts late last night on any social. Did you post about your hemorrhoids? Because I probably didn't read them. If that's what you did, I thought it was something worse at first, but a little bit of a uh, little bit of camera work with the <laughs> with the tablet, and no! I didn't have to go to the hospital. You. Did those get uploaded to your iCloud? I'm just warning you, celebrities do this and it always gets them into trouble. I didn't click the button. <laughs> I just used it. I just used it as like a mirror, essentially. <laughs> oh, God. You know what makes a good mirror, Cold Acid? A mirror. A mirror. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but you know what the problem with that is? Uh, you can't I'm, share it on I Instagram? don't have the balance. I don't have the balance to climb up onto the bathroom counter and then and then like bend over uh, with my feet <laughs> on either side of the sink. All right, we got fan art for this one coming. I can tell. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Can we get some of those dolls they use in courtrooms? You can just pose it how you were. We need, we need a visual. Show us on the doll where the hemorrhoid touched you. Oh, God, that's disgusting. Well, now that all of you are left, <laughs> there's nothing left for me to do except open this beer. And uh, I guess shotgun it. The show's over, Doc. <laughs> what do you have? I heard you pop one open. What do you got there? Oh, I got, uh, I got a cider, of course. I got Eden Grove. 100% hand-picked Ontario pears, always fresh-pressed, gluten-free, and vegan-friendly. Ooh, interesting. It's always gluten-free. It's cider, for fuck's sake. You make, it with, you make it with fruit, not with wheat or other grains. There's nothing, there's nothing sticky inside that stem that could be gluten-adjacent? Not that I know of. Hmm. There's got to be something sticky in that stem, you know what I mean? Yeah, that sounds lewd. You can have a sticky stem if you want to if you want to go places in this town. Okay, if you want to be uh, if you want to be important in this town, you gotta have a sticky stem. Um, phrasing. All right. Well, we got some uh, booster grams. Did you get your uh, booster gram thing uh, sorted out? Your yes. Pad? Why? Yes. Yes, I did. Hey. Yay. So. Uh, and indeed, yes, we. Let me let me intro got... you. Let me intro you. 
Oh, okay. Okay, so uh, this is Rare Encounter, the show that you're listening to now, and if you are not completely disgusted by the opening, then you can go to rareencounter.net and uh, find all our past episodes. You can find the episode about clown sex, which is one of the hotter ones we've done. It's called A Good Christian Show, I, I believe is the title we settled on. <laughs> yes, I believe that's the title we gave it. And, uh, and go listen to that if you want to hear about clown hookers. Well, uh, we do this show for free, and we put it out there, and you can download it and listen to it. We don't charge anything, obviously. Uh, but what we do ask is that if you enjoy the show, you have uh, send us a little bit of value back, and it could be time, talent, treasure, as the mantra goes, the three T's. There's a fourth one, which is titties, I guess. Um, but what you can do... Yeah, I'm always down for titties. <laughs> what you can do is have... Um, what you can do is send us some boostograms, and that helps by sending us a little bit of content, especially if you have something funny to say. You tell us a joke or something. Those are my favorite kind when there's a, when there's a good zinger inside there. Or you could uh, send us PayPal. We do accept that, too. Um, and sometimes just sending us stories that might be interesting is, uh, is a way to help uh, produce the show. And some people decided to send us boostograms right off the bat. I think Cold Acid has the list. And who do we, we actually have? have four. We actually have four donations. Three are boosts. One is one is a PayPal donation. Ah, the old. Uh, starting off, uh, just just late of last week's show, we got thirteen sixty nine sats from Cotton Gin. Once again, missing the buzzer and without a note. Ish. Next up, we have. I was gonna say shame on that. Shame, I, I was gonna say shame on that guy. Yeah, not buzzer. including a note. Yeah, you got something to say, right? Why don't you say it to my face? Ah, uh, next up, we got uh, we got from uh, Luke T, who gave us cash last week. He gave us cash again this week, and he has an actual NAS handle to associate with him, which is Baron Giant. All one word. Baron Giant. Interesting. Baron. Bayern, like, uh, uh, isn't that like the German name for Bavaria? Bayern, B A Y E R N. B A Baron Giant. Oh, I see. It. Okay, followed. There you yeah. go. You said yeah. he uh, said something and to Rare Counter. I follow he, you. Yeah, he didn't include a note with his. He didn't include a note with his donation, but he did. He did message me on uh, on NES and said. Sorry for another cuckbuck PayPal donation. I've made an account on Podverse, but I don't own any crypto. I'd dig boosting, but don't know how to get into it yet. Bear with me. Uh, sweating smiley guy emoji. Mm -hmm. He sent us 333 USD. Nice. That's $3.33. Not, unfortunately, $333. Well, you can work up to that. No, we love every every uh, set that uh, gets sent in. Yeah. We appreciate it all. Uh, I just want to read... Uh, Baron Giants, or Bearing Giants. Wow, it's really hard to pronounce that. Uh, Baron. Baron. Profile says, Pops hit me in the mouth with the NA episode, The Red Dot, in which Rev Al gave us primo entertainment for generations to come. The rest is history. He has KC, FEMA Region 7. So that's a Kansas City guy. I, I guess a KCMO. Uh, Night to be, fan of many NA stream shows. Shout out to BTS, Bowl After Bowl, Rare Encounter, Grumpy Old Ben's Unrelenting, Abs in a Six Pack, and the upcoming Two Good Old Boys featuring our favorite Rusky Spook. Two Good Old Boys. Is our Rusky Spook, um, is that who I think it is? Is that Gene? Yeah, yeah that's Gene. Yeah, so he, he, listen, he listens to both the Russian podcasts then. Ah, very interesting. Well, thanks. Luke. Yeah. 
<laughs> so Sergene Speaks is getting a spin-off, and that's the that's that's that one that he mentioned. Oh, is it sure Gene where it's, shuts up? Uh, where it's Gene and Sir Dude Named Ben. Okay. I believe it's Sir Dude Named Ben. Sir Dude Named Ben. Uh, I'm not, I don't know his voice. I don't know his voice. I'm going to have to listen to it just to find out who uh, it is. I, I heard a little bit of of an episode uh, recently just because I had the stream on. Um, it's not that distinctive a voice, so... <laughs> It's not like you, us. You should go listen to it, though. I mean, if you if you like me, if you like listening to Russian propaganda, it's not like us with our instantly recognizable pander, pandering voices. Uh, the uh, they make everyone hot. No, That's not right, like man. us. Not like not us. like us. Thank God, not like us. The primo radio voices are in rare encounter. <laughs> everyone knows that. <laughs> it's what everyone aspires to have. I thought right? the primo radio voices were on uh, were on Planet Rage. Oh no, they they wish they were. They wish they had a voice like mine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> May, maybe, but I um, I swear, every time Larry talks, I can hear the wet panties dropping around the world. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, Larry's a cool guy, though. Um, I do I do enjoy listening to his oh, yeah. uh, material. And he just did a... Uh, he, was, he was doing some acting, I think, in a Meet Us Pod special lately, if I've heard my uh, news properly. That's on my to-listen to cool, list, cool. by the way. Um, there's a couple of people that we know who were part of that production, so. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that... We got two more We got two more boosts to go through. Do you okay. want to read them? Uh, why don't you do it? All right, all right. I'll keep up with it. So next up, we got from Carolyn Blaney, 9898 sats. And she says, peel those potatoes to this chilling music. Chilling, baby. You must have been playing something gentle before I put on the stream, because you were playing uh, pretty rocking stuff when I when I turned it on. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, w- I didn't know it was that chill, but uh, sure, peeling those potatoes. You need the right kind of music to do that. Otherwise, it won't it won't work right. Um, polka. You need polka. Polka for peeling potatoes. That is a great observation. Potato peeling polka. We should do an album. Dude, don't you know I, I've already I've already named my polka metal band, which is anal necrosis. <laughs> oh God, Jesus! You told me I was gross when I was bringing all that girl manga. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> all right, who's our last? Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. For our that. last, yes, our last is none other than Booberry Mothman of the Making the Apocalypse, <laughs> and he sent. <laughs> and he sent in 13,696 sats, and he asks, um, did you just assume our species? No, Boobery, I know for a fact you're a mothman. Yes, Boobery, mercantile, master of the Miss Minneapolis. Thank you. Mothman of the Miniocalypse. And the Whore of Yig, to be technical. Yes. I think that covers everything for pre-show. It does. It covers all our boosts. I already see some. Other than those that will come in during the show. I see some coming in already. From those poor unfortunates who are still listening to us. They're more poor and unfortunate than you know. (laughs) We've got, um, we got some material for you. Maybe the the most poor and the most unfortunate are the listeners today, maybe. Uh, I don't know. We've got, we've got a couple things. I teased at the top of the show. I want to do the Duncan and Stowe. 
All right, hit us with it. The Duncan and Stowe is a story, and I just want to play it for you. Here it there is. There are 351 municipalities in Massachusetts and 1,073 Duncan locations. Billerica has three on Boston Road, but further down 495, the town of Stowe is a Duncan desert. There is no more Dunkin' Donuts in Stowe. Absolutely none. Those bastards. Up until this year, they had two. Now they're both closed. Neighbors are handling it like you might expect. Yeah, it sucks. There's nothing fun to do, and Dunkin' Donuts was the one place where everyone likes to go. Bummed out. Yeah? Yeah, because I've been traveling further away to go to Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah? Yeah. How far do you have to travel now? Over a mile and a half. That's ridiculous. Oh, jeez, a mile and a half. Sudbury. Gotta get leave. Yeah, he's gotta go to Sudbury, man. It's a, a whole mile. That's, and a half. that's a long distance, Sudbury. I mean, I mean, even from here, that's like over three hundred kilometers. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. I got, I got um, a couple more seconds. I mean, not the state. You gotta leave Stowe, though. It's terrible. Some are finding refuge at the two dunks in Maynard, much to the dismay of Maynardians like Michael. Especially if people are coming from Stowe, they're going to come through here on their way to work. Then I get held up for work. But back in... Yeah, the drive through is full, man. Go home. Stowe, a town with an airport, <laughs> three golf courses, and some horses. They just want <laughs> solutions. Don't live in Stowe anymore. You think it's worth moving out because there's no dunks? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad. Yeah. Oh, this last wow. woman. This last woman, she's sad. <laughs> You have to see the video for this. This woman is sad. Just listen to her. Dunks? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sad. This last woman, she's... I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Sad for the people of Stowe. Oh, and for this bee. <laughs> she's sad for the bee. As she's doing yeah. the interview, a bee flies down in front of her. She says, I'm sad for ducks. I'm sad for Stowe. Oh, and I'm sad for this bee, too. As it bzz, buzzes by. You, you know, I... I heard your first reaction when they said they were going to close the Dunkin' Donuts near you. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's it. Well, I've got a new one for the soundboard I clipped out of this, uh, which is, I think I should put it on my soundboard. Let me see if you think uh, it's worth it. How about this? Those bastards. How about that? I love it. I love it. I love it. I also got the the, <laughs> the sad for the bee lady. And for this bee. <laughs> and for this bee. <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> it's Side for the B. Add for the B. And for this B. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, you got some other dunk news. Yeah, well, we're talking about dunks. There's a couple of things that were going on with dunks. And, and, and this one was from Manchester, New Hampshire. We've got the United States Department of Labor uh, is looking, <gasps> taking a close look at Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's in Manchester. And they found they're in violation of certain labor laws. Do you know what kind of labor laws they are? Children, no, child labor laws. They, oh, jeez. Uh, and I think these are kind of bullshit because I think you should be able to work uh, when you're a kid. So they have the change allowed 14 and 15-year-old kids to schedule too many hours. What the hell is this? You know, when I wasn't even in the double digits, you know what I was doing? I, would, I was stacking milk <laughs> for nickels, essentially. All right? I was like eight years old. And I was putting, I was putting the bags of milk in the cooler for people to buy at the variety store at the bottom of my street. Nice. And you know what? Nobody thought a damn thing about it because back in those days, we didn't care if kids had like some sort of little side job like that to teach them about responsibility and shit. And we didn't care about no minimum wage for that either. 
I was a fucking kid. I would have been happy to be paid in chocolate bars, you know? <laughs> this um, this story bothers me a little because when I was 15, which is the age of some of the kids that they're claiming shouldn't be allowed to work except under very special supervision and circumstances, I had a real job. I had a legit real job where I was working in a little microwave shop in New Hampshire, by the way, and... Uh, it was fine. Microwaving things. I was, there was a, yeah, sure. Microwaving things. Um, but the, uh, it was a great experience for me. I would recommend everyone who's 15 to get a job. It was bad. Well, I'd recommend everybody who's 12 to get a job. By the time you're, you're that age, you should have some skill. You know, it's like, imagine being, being 21 and never having worked a day because you went to school and then you went to college. And then you dropped yeah. out of Any college. <laughs> anybody who anybody who is at least middle school age should be able to get some sort of job. And it doesn't have to be like the whole like thing where you're working for you're working for like some franchise business or something. It could be something as simple as going door to door with a fucking lawnmower and taking care of your neighbor's lawns, you know, or shoveling their driveways for a fiver. You know, that's the kind of thing that we are missing out on these days. Hell, we don't even get the fucking lemonade stands anymore. You remember that shit? Like, kid has a lemonade stand, five five cents a glass. Yeah, right? they, they shut them down, those kids. Do you, yeah, you know they shut them down because the fucking, uh, because, because they don't have, like... Their permits and the and the and the, like the green sign that says like yeah they've been food inspected and shit. You know what? All that fucking bureaucratic bullshit is half the reason all these fucking kids these days just sit around on their fucking computers and tablets and do nothing because what the fuck can they do? We're sorry, little Timmy, but you need ten gallons of potable water to presumably wash your lemonade making instruments, and you also have to file a plan with our department for where you're going to dispose of the water, and you can't just pour it down a storm drain. So we're gonna have to take you in, little Jimmy, or Timmy, though your name changed in the middle of the story. Uh, and uh, we're gonna hey, take it's you downtown. JT. JT. <laughs> JT Public. Jimmy Timmy Public. Jimmy Timmy. <laughs> That's a great name. I want to be Jimmy Timmy Public. That is a great name for a detective. Like a, like, <laughs> it, I'm imagining like a playground detective, okay, who solves like all the small scale crimes, but he he thinks about every crime is as, as important as uh, any other, you know, so. Case ooh, closed. Case closed with Jimmy. Or whatever. <laughs> what's, it, what's it called? What's it called on this side of the ocean? Um, Sue Thomas FBI. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm talking no, no, about like, there was like that manga and anime oh, case closed, but it has detective with Conan. the kid detective detective yeah Conan. detective Conan. One truth prevails. Who put the jam on these monkey bars? That thing got on my hands. <laughs> One truth prevails. Hmm. Gonna have gonna have to check this evidence. This jam on the monkey bars that's now on my hand. Hmm. Strawberry. Not the strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> There's only no, one man. Raspberry. There's only one man who dare give uh, Dark Helmet raspberry. <laughs> Dark Helmet the raspberry. There you go, yeah. <laughs> the, <stra> <laughs> the raspberry. All right. Well, that's... Lone I Star. That's a good one. We have another story that I accidentally have about... Um, about a consumer hellhole place. This one's about Starbucks, and I, I just want to get out of the way because we already did 
Dunkin' Donuts. And yeah, get all the fast the food done all at once, right? Yep, yep. Uh, this is the Web3 at Starbucks story from InputMag.com. Now, Starbucks Odyssey is the name of the project, is going to be working with uh, on their rewards program, their loyalty program at Starbucks. And they're going to let users do things like use their reward points to play games and as well as earn and wait for it, purchase NFTs. Oh, great. Now get get your stupid, ugly monkeys at Starbucks. Yes. And it just kind of signals that the whole thing really is dead. I mean, by the time someone like Starbucks gets in, you have to know it's a total scam. It's like when Beanie Baby started getting handed out at um, at McDonald's in Happy Meals. You know it was done, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was the end of it. Well, they, here's your sign. And some of the Web3 stuff is pretty gross. Um, All I, the Web3 stuff is pretty gross. There, It's... Fun to watch all of the scams that used to be exclusive to Wall Street. You know, the the kind of, let's make a Ponzi scheme, and we'll make it as close to a Ponzi scheme as we can without actually being illegal. You know? And yeah, then, you know what? That's, you know? that's the whole upside of all this cryptocurrency blockchain stuff, is now that Ponzi schemes are accessible to everyone. So they've been able to take that strategy, which they've been pulling for years in Wall Street, the same people who are running all the shitcoin um, pump and dumps and the rug pulls, they're Wall Street guys, according to some sources, some, some um, I think it's Audible Bitcoin is the podcast I was listening to. They have some people on there who make this claim that the kind of person who's doing this, they all have backgrounds from Wall Street doing the same kind of shit there. And that's why they love well, of shitcoin. Of course, I mean, I mean that, that makes sense. I mean, where else would you know how to how to run these sort of bullshit scams in the first place and and be able to pull it off just like that you got to have experience yep. well and where would you get that other than like wall street or bay street or or like uh the london exchange yeah but that's the claim i can't obviously we haven't been able to unmask everyone behind all these things they don't want to be unmasked they're making millions and tens of millions of dollars with each one of these so they're not going to stop they're just going to keep doing it and they're going to they're going to have another shit coin and they're going to ruin it for everyone they're going to ruin it for everyone else because with all this shit then there's going to be more regulatory nonsense from the governments and, and this is what why we can't fucking have nice fucking things yeah as these motherfuckers because of starbucks fuck them all right yeah fuck starbucks bring back the titty mermaid you know what starbucks is you know what starbucks is they're they're the apple of coffee places <laughs> the apple you know they're the fucking the apple they're store. the fucking like apple of coffee place meanwhile you got you got you got Dunkin' Donuts, which is like the Packard Bell of, <laughs> of like coffee and donuts. You got Tim Hortons, which is like the Dell. Oh no! Of them, come on! No! 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 Like, no! Tim Hortons is the is the Research in Motion. They're the rim. Just because they're Canadian oh, doesn't make them rim. I thought it was good. That's what I would call them. No, because because Dell is Dell is actually like cheap shit that somehow works. And people are just used to it being there. Mm. Therefore, Tim Hortons is the Dell of of coffee and donuts. I don't know. I think that there's... Um, I want to find my Dell. 
I, I've uh, in an unfortunate uh, turn of events, I've been unable to do a, a succinct search for the clip that I'm looking for. So I hold on, hold on. I then have to. Carol stall. Carolyn said something in the chat. Carolyn said something in the chat that needs to be addressed. She says Cold Acid doesn't have a good Tim Hortons near him. I get it. And Carolyn, <laughs> does anybody anywhere have a good Tim Hortons near them? All right, I got the Dell clip. I don't clip. think so. I got the Dell clip. This is gonna give us the. Uh, this is gonna give us. The company history of Dell. Okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Yep. Here we ready. go. At Dell, we're not trying to change the world. We're just trying to make cheap-ass computers for cheap-ass college dudes. You know? We may not be the smartest at Dell, okay? But we got fucking hustle, bro. Ballin'. Fuck everyone else. Fuck helping people out. You want to help someone out? Become a fucking nurse, bro. In this world, it's all about making that money, honey. Sweet, sweet coin. But I'm just like Steve Jobs, you know? I dreamed a dream. <laughs> My dream came true. Hey, you wouldn't happen to know where to get some fucking pussy around here. <laughs> There's Del for you. That's yep. and that and that's exactly the sort of thing that Tim Hortons is like <laughs> these days. It used to be it used to be something, but ever since like the merger with Wendy's parent company and then being and then being sold to the company that owns Burger King, right? It is it is now just like that clip you played. Is Wendy's parent company Dave? No. Who is, who owns Wendy's? <laughs> Also, when Dave died, that's what they made the burgers out of. Okay. Um, who owns Wendy's? Who owns Wendy's? Just keep it up. Someone Fuck. who likes squares, I, who I guess. Who owns Wendy's? Who? I owns wish I owned Wendy. Wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Wendy's. Wendy's, Wendy's, Wendy's. Um, is a publicly traded company and the parent of Arby's. Wait a minute. Wendy and Arby? They're a thing? That's uh, that's a match made in hell. That's just like Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. <laughs> where, where the heroes are Wendy and Arby. Uh, <laughs> who knew they? Yeah, who knew they were a thing? Yeah, I bet Dave didn't. Dave had no idea. Dave was such a square. That's why he made his burger square. They did it Dave's way. I did way. like the square burgers. To be honest, that was that was nice having the little bit of extra meat. Wait a minute. No, because the burgers were actually thinner as well. That's where the corners came from. What isn't it? Whoa. Dave's not we're here. We're through so. the looking glass here, people. Dave's not here, says Sir Bemrose. Cotton Gin says ISO square burgers. ISO this, ISO that. Who cares? You got to stomp it. We stomp on Rare Encounter. Yeah, we don't ISO. We stomp. What do you have for uh, What do you have for a story of cold acid? You've got some clips, don't you? I got old stuff. I got a lot of old stuff. Yeah, hit me with some old stuff. Yeah, I will hit you with some old stuff. What you're listening to is the Who and Him number six, the oldest piece of music that actually could be reconstructed. It was discovered in the royal palace of Ugarit, northern Canaan, now modern-day Syria, and is believed to date back to 1600 BCE, some 3,400 years ago. The song itself is inscribed on a small clay tablet and was discovered in the early 1950s, along with 36 other tablets. But the Who in Him number 6 is the only tablet that was preserved well enough to be read and eventually performed. Yeah, so how about that for old? Tablets are always old. 
Don't, then again, my tablet's not that old. I only got it like this spring. You know, back in the old days when you had a clay tablet and you wanted to look at your own butthole, you had to do a lot more work. I think back then, if you if you needed to look at your own butthole, you were either dead or you were rich enough to have slaves to look at your butthole for you. Yes, yes. As we, we all know, that's what inspired Susan B. Anthony. Um, <laughs> no, 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 never mind, never, never, never mind. I'm not going down that hole. <laughs> not the, Please, not yeah, don't. No going down any holes. <laughs> not on tonight's show. Not on tonight's show. No holes on tonight's show. <laughs> So, a little bit more. It also includes partially obscured lyrics that appear to be a prayer to Nikal, the goddess of orchards. The goddess of orchards, Nikal. Mm. She sounds yeah. like she'd be into uh, ciders. Yeah, I bet she would. I, I could uh, I could share a cider with her, I'm sure of it. The goddess. Does she have a sticky now, stem? No, no, here's the, here's the thing. They, Does she what? have a sticky stem? No! Okay. Nobody right. has sticky stems. At least I'm not after. At least not after until like the uh, the the cords cut. <laughs> well, I mean, she's the goddess of orchards, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of stems, probably a lot of seeds. There's some seeding going on. I'm sure there is some seeding going on, and I'm sure she's got something sticky, but it's not a stem. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Move on. <laughs> so it's not actually. It's not actually the oldest known piece of music. Whilst the Hearing Hymn is the oldest piece of music that can be reconstructed, it is not the oldest song that exists. <gasps> Shock. That title goes to the Lipit Ishtar, which is another tablet discovered in Sumer, modern-day Iraq, but this time from 1950 BCE, roughly 4,000 years ago. Yeah, so it. So the thing is, though, with the with this, with this, all the tablet or what remains of it has little more than just tuning instructions for the lyre, mm. right? The the instrument for the music. Right. So it doesn't actually give you anything playable. Well, that's too bad. What are the tuning instructions? Do they... I mean, you tune no, from... No, it, it doesn't say in the article or the video what the tuning instructions actually are. And in fact, in fact, the, the lyres themselves... Um, we don't even know what their actual shape was or anything. So the tuning instructions aren't even all that useful because, I mean, without knowing the construction of the thing, knowing the tuning doesn't really give you anything that could make sound. Therefore... Decoding the song itself proved to be a challenge. Unlike our standard sheet music, which notates pitch and duration, the hearing hymn gives instructions on where a musician needs to position their fingers on the instrument. Ooh. It doesn't give any information on how the lyre was tuned nor does it give lengths and durations of the notes. And finally, to make it more confusing, the interval system on the tablet was unclear and required some creative thinking to figure out. So in other words, the, the, the music that they are coming up with is essentially they are fucking, fucking around and saying, oh, this sounds good, this must be it. This is a, like a, um, this is like a guitar tab or like a fake sheet. Yeah. Not even. I think tabs at least give you some idea of duration, don't they? They do, but sometimes they really don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we have some act. We have a couple of actual recreations, other than what was the background for for those previous clips. Mm -hmm. So here's here's the original 
recreation that got published. Um, I'm trying to find the name of of the person who did this. Ah, a Dr. Kilmer. Uh, what's the last Val? name of it? No, not Val Kilmer. Okay. No. Uh, University of California Emeritus Professor of Acerology, Ann Kilmer. One more time, Acerology? Acerology, as in the study of Assyria. Okay. Okay, good. And so, here's what she came up with. So of course, of course, this is obviously a recreation because back in the back in the days of Mesopotamia, they did not have MIDI. Yeah, I was gonna say this sounds exactly like it was uh, in the days when you had general MIDI for everything instead of good samples. Yeah. So what happened? What happened there is that Dr. Kilmer, or Professor Kilmer, she. She transcribed her recreation into in modern musical notation, but never actually performed it or anything. And so somebody took that musical notation and put it in and put it into a of uh, a tracker essentially and emitted a MIDI file from it. I see. Now here's the other here's the other recreation which involves singing. Uh, I believe there actually were lyrics in the tablet. And this was this was not performed by, but is the interpretation of archaeomusicologist, now that's a word and a half, mm. Richard Dumbrell, and singing by Lara Jokhatter. By the way, that's not part of the actual music. It's just background for this, for the video it was clipped from. It's very relaxing. I feel like I'm yeah, in a thunder tends to be, mm. and rain. Thunder. And rain.
So the the lyrics apparently are a prayer to the aforementioned Nikol from a woman begging the goddess to make her fertile. Mm. So that, in other words, is a prayer for getting it on ah, from the women's prayers. perspective. You know, that was a good song. I think the prodigy could sample it. <laughs> what's, what's to say they haven't? Oh, they might have. Let's see. No, I don't think they did. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I got a couple of clips of of Richard Dumbrell as well, which I took. There is a certain Amurabi, another Ibshali, and four Hurrian composers, Tapshihun, Buhiyanna, Uhiya, and Amiya. So those are the people who who composed and wrote the wrote the music down on the tablet. And putting more lie to the whole idea of what we've been listening to is actually the music instead of like bullshit reconstructions. There are no indications of any instrumental accompaniment. Furthermore, an instrumental accompaniment to this song, prayer, as far as we understand it, would be incongruous with the private nature of this young woman's prayer, asking Goddess Nikal to make her fertile. Fertile. So yeah, there you have it. There was no there was no instrumental accompaniment. It was just the singing that exi- that actually existed. Hmm. And all the all those like all the musical recreations Bullshit! Even the thunder, huh? Especially the thunder. <laughs> well, this is a, a fun segment you've brought us into, back into the history of music. Oh, I'm not even done. I'm not even done with music yet. I got conspiracy theory about music. Okay, hit me with that. So, you know about... Okay, what is... What is... Hold on a second. What is, I should have... What is middle A? Um, 440 hertz. Eh, wrong! Concert tuning. 432 hertz. Except that, except that the Italians in 1885, followed by the International Organization for Standardization, decided it should be 440 hertz instead, in order to program our minds <laughs> god okay i have heard this before now that i i know what you're talking about um that eight that eight hertz different is important <laughs> sure it is no just listen here here i've got here i've got two pieces of music or one piece of music one in one case tuned to 440 and in one case tuned to 432 and tell me which one sounds better to you. Well, wait, don't. So which of those is tuned to which, and which one did you think sounded better? 
I, the first or the second one? I don't think either one of them sounded better than the other. It sounded like one was tuned a little bit lower than the other. <laughs> and, and I've been through this session where you're singing a song, maybe you're in tune with the band, but the band's not quite in tune with the keyboard player. And then you, everyone has to tune up a little bit or tune down a little bit. Um, so I don't know. It's, I'm not buying into it, but you can tell me which one was which if you want. Okay, so the first one was 440, and the second one was 432. Yeah. So and well, people think people think it's a Nazi thing, but really, 440 was set by the was set by the Italians in 1885, and then in the 1930s, is it is said that the Rockefeller Foundation had an interest in making sure that 440 hertz was the standard as part of a way of having musical cult control over the population of America. I was under the impression that it was a concert standard so that you could get uh, tuning forks that everyone could uh, everyone could manufacture and it'd be a standard. You wouldn't have to have a different standard for every uh, every person in the orchestra. But that's just me. Yeah, so France, France used a standard of 432, the original concert standard was 435, and it was the Italian government's music commission that chose 440. Yeah. You can still get tuners that have um, 435, by the way. In fact, I think I own a couple where they have a button on well, it. That's you, can good. Swatch be you can switch between 440 or 435. Or if you're playing with a folk band and you're the, uh, the keyboard player, most of these instruments actually do have a fine tuning um, change. It, it, you know, anyone over a certain dollar value, right, they'll have, if you really read the owner's manual, it'll be like, you hold the function button and then you hit, like, um, some key on the keyboard, usually, that, or that's the way it used to be. Nowadays, you probably have an app that does it. But then it'll shift from, you know, 440 tuning, and you can tune it down to whatever you want. And I, I've heard this before, and I, it really makes me cringe every time I hear it, because I, though I get the history, like, someone had to pick a standard, there's a bunch of things, but the, it's like, I've released music music that wasn't tuned to 440 like people do that shit all the time yeah i i just love the whole the whole conspiracy theory thing about it the more interesting Hon honestly honestly i think i think they both sound good and for different pieces one tuning might be better than the other now the real radicals out there think that middle a should be 528 hertz <laughs> oh god that's too loud that's too high that's way too high you know why because it's a quote Digital bioholographic precipitation crystallization and mir miraculous manifestation of diving frequency vibrations. God. Whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> That's a good one. I've never heard that before. I, I will say there is some... some. Let me give you a fact about, um, about intonation that I think is interesting. Is in the movie Spinal Tap, they made a joke about, oh, D minor is actually the saddest key. Uh, and this is kind of a running thing, and the truth is that the key that you play on um, even-tempered scale, in even temperament, you um, does matter. The songs will sound different, so if you just change the, the reference pitch, um, you end up with a song that the, the every pitch inside that's coming out of the instrument is shifted down. So all of the harmonics are shifted down by an equal amount. All of the fundamental tones are shifted down and, and everything. If you change the reference pitch, but if you change the key you're playing in, it does actually change the relationship between the harmonics and it changes the accuracy of um, 
for example, if you play an A, um, a fifth, and you're tuned to, it doesn't really matter what you're tuned to, but let's say 440 for now. It sounds different than if you play mm, some other note. And because of the way that the the nonlinear way that the intonation is set for, you know, our modern uh, 12 semitone scale. So you get these, you do get interesting changes when you play a song in one key versus another. And I'm not talking about major minor tonality. I'm talking about you take a song and then transpose it up a half step and play it on a piano. It does sound different. And it's not just... It's not just you shifted the. Now, what if little. you take something? What if you take something that's like something that something that's made for like A, and you play it in the key of G? Yeah, it'll it, right again. It'll sound different. Essentially, yeah. talking about. Yep, and you can you can yeah be, because what happens now, is here's some, here's something else. Here's something here's something for the hippies out there. Go ahead. Apparently, four thirty two and four forty are both good for you in different ways. So for the hippies out there, 440 hertz music opens your third eye chakra, mm -hmm. man. And 432 stimulates the heart chakra. Uh, which one stimulates the dick chakra? I'm sorry, the root chakra. I don't know. <laughs> which one stimulates the hemorrhoid <laughs> chakra? <laughs> Stay away from that one. That, the, I don't want that stimulated. <laughs> I want that reduced. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, this has been a, a uh, fun journey through uh, your medical problems. <laughs> I've got some, some stuff I wanted to get to. Hey, speaking of bathroom humor, uh, there was a bathroom story in Ohio. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this was uh, reported by WHIO, which is a local news uh, station, and I believe it's a uh, ABC. Oh, shit, I don't even know what it is. But I love the call sign is WHIO for Ohio, but that, that's what I wanted to say. Anyway, they... Uh, there was this family who was packing to move somewhere, and they had the door open, and uh, apparently a coyote got into their bathroom. And That's an interesting place to find a coyote. And the thing went inside, and it was hiding behind the toilet. And apparently it was in there for a while. Like, it got into their house. It was behind the toilet, like, hiding behind a basket and some of these other things. And um, the uh, apparently the toilet was used several times without people noticing, or at least once, uh, according to the news article. Um, I'm sorry, according to officers who said to the reporter, said that members of the family had actually used the restroom while the animal was inside, not knowing it was there. Well, good thing nobody got bites on their hemorrhoids then. You got bite, bitten on your ass by a toilet coyote. <laughs> so this was in Trenton, uh, Trenton, Ohio, which is just a little, um, it's between here where I am in Cincinnati. It's, it's a little ways away, so I don't think the coyotes can travel that fast, but hmm. Maybe I'll be careful. Uh, the police said the coyote got into the house through an open door while the family was packing vehicles ahead of a trip. And, uh, of course, they were safely able to remove the animal and release it back to nature. So, I don't know. This, this is a coyote. It's got one taste for the turd. It'll be back in the Starbucks bathroom. They let anyone in there, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> okay. They, they aren't... They have no problem about people going to their bathrooms there, don't do they? Coyotes? Just so long, just so long as you don't call it toilet paper, you've got to call it like some Italian name for toilet oh, paper. Oh yeah, that's what you have to do. Uh, uh, you go to the Louvre. Is that what you call a toilet in French? Yeah, but it's supposed to be Italian names that they use. Oh, okay, I don't know how to speak Italian. 
Yeah, neither do I. Well, we are ha- at an impasse, then we cannot proceed with the joke. There's one other story I was going to bring, which is the uh, Grandma Catcher. We like robots. Grandma Catcher? We like robots on Rare Encounter, and this is a new robot, the likes of which have never been seen before. It is a Grandma Catching robot. This robot will go follow your grandma around, and it has, like, a strap on the front and, uh, like, a almost like a straitjacket sort of thing. I don't know. It's like a straitjacket for your junk. It's going to keep grandma under control. And uh, it has a robot arm that'll grab grandma and pick her up if, and stop her from falling cool. down. Cool. <laughs> Lucky grandma. Yes. And so this is a robot on Gilf Patrol. Is it the wingman that we need? I don't know. We'll find out. I don't think so. We had Wei Tech Ang, who is the uh, leader, lead researcher of the project and executive director of this institute in Singapore. Uh, which came up with this and said, who said the intention was to help people walk around at home without fear of falling down. And so they've developed this four wheeled robot wheelchair thing that it kind of has like the master hand from <laughs> Super Smash Brothers kind of at the end of a robot arm. And it grabs grandma and then kind of holds you there like a Barbie doll. Huh. Hmm. Ang became aware of that problem from personal experience and said, my 85 year old mother well, she's a frequent faller, he said. A frequent faller. And Does I'm, she get points for that? <laughs> frequent faller miles. How many miles have you fallen? That would be an act, <laughs> you know, that would be a pretty damn good stat. You know, if you could get real stats on yourself, that's something I want to know. How many miles have I fallen throughout my life? I think, do you think I've fallen No, the a bigger mile? question, the bigger question is who has the higher score in that regard? <laughs> Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. <laughs> I got a I got a friend who is a paratroop. Um, what do you call it when you jump out of a plane? A, a parachute instructor, skydiving instructor. Yeah. I think he might have the. Some people have a really good record for the number of miles fallen, and uh, he had some interesting stories. Though it makes you both more um, feel better about skydiving and also worse at the same time. <laughs> Uh, they do have a lot of deaths, uh, more than you'd expect, but it turns out they're actually mostly heart attacks. And this is, this was years ago too, uh, from people who were maybe not quite so well and they get so upset <laughs> from the thought of jumping out of a plane, they have a problem and they have to land, you know? So it turns out that's the, the main medical, uh, the main, uh, cause of death when you're skydiving. At least you know, I'll never understand. I'll never understand why people would jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Well, sometimes those planes are too good, man. You've have you seen a Hawker Beechcraft? <laughs> Not to throw shade. Anyway, that although was, you totally are. Yeah, the um, other premier way that I wanted to mention, we've covered this on Rare Encounter before, for detecting falls was the channel state information, Wi-Fi channel state information, which was a topic that came up on grumpy old ben's i was surprised to hear them cover it and then i said oh i i i think we covered it like must have been episode 15 or 20 or something um but this was the idea that there's information about the path between wi-fi enabled devices embedded in the channel state what they call the channel state information so if you're changing you have a frequency associated with the channel and you have a signal strength. And then if you have a cooperative device on the other side of the link, you can say, Hey, change your channel and we'll sweep through all the different channels and see what happens and get a, um, a f- you can describe the link power versus link channel and 
time. And if you start monitoring all these, you can start training an AI to, to recognize things that are going on that, that maybe a human operator wouldn't be able to notice because it's a little too abstract for a person to look at these amplitude signals and make anything out of them. But apparently the AIs have a pretty good... A, Certain kinds of, I should say, machine learning networks. I don't want to say AI. The AIs have it. They have a way to um, train it to recognize whether there's a person in a room or not in the room. Is someone moving? Is no one moving? And, and basic questions like this can be answered by um, channel state information processors. And I put in... So you know what this is telling me? This is telling me, stop carrying my stuff around the house. <laughs> it's just your router, though. It's uh, it can find stuff in your room. Yeah, you know what? I'm the one who I'm the one who puts the firmware on that thing, and I'm using I'm using custom firmware that I can check out myself, and I still don't trust the fucker. So I put in a link to PubMed, which had a public article on it. Uh, Channel state information from pure communication to sense and track human motion, a survey, and it's a pretty good article that goes down the different ways that these things are working. And uh, so they'll show like, hey, here's a bunch of access points and uh, we're going to watch a person walk into a room by watching the fluctuations in the channel states. It's very interesting. And then they have, you know, the linear algebra breakdown. If you really want to see that, they have it. And now that I yep. look at it, this, lo this looks kind of like a pentagram. No, it's not quite a pentagram. I guess it's a star of David. Wait a minute. Oy vey. Oy vey. <laughs> Anyway, we have um, that linked, and I put uh, I had a link to IEEE Explore, but I think you need credentials to log in there. So let me see if yeah, I can get I'm, this. I'm yeah, I'm logged in because I am a IEEE member, and it's still telling me that I need to sign in specially with an institutional account in order yeah. to read the article. So, so we're, let's omit this one. Fuck um, that. Yeah. I'm not going to post something no one, no one else can read. So let's skip that one for the notes. Yeah, now going from one kind of movement to another... I saw in your note something that I was hearing recently on the radio, and that is, we're soon going to have a new way to get across Lake Ontario by hovercraft. Ow, hovercraft, baby. That's how you travel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had ferries from Toronto to Rochester before, but now we're going to have a hovercraft to take us to the Niagara wine country. <laughs> so for... So for all the people who wanna, who wanna like have a day trip without spending six hours in terrible, terrible rush hour traffic or actually all day traffic on the Queen Elizabeth Way, they can zip over the lake on a hovercraft when this project opens up next summer. Nice. So what? Yeah. Um, I haven't really opened this uh, this article. It got dropped in my lap right before the show. I'm glad that you you'd heard about it on the radio. What do the ads sound like? What's the? How are they pitching this to the Canadian? Oh, it wasn't it, I? Didn't hear an ad for it. I heard I heard it like news discussion on the radio. Oh, a native ad. Not even a native ad. Just like this is this is something that's coming up, and then another mention uh, by one of the DJs that I listen to in the afternoon, who like. Mentions all sorts of, like, weird and strange and funny stuff. Interesting. Did, do you know how much it's going to cost to get on one of these hovercraft? No idea. Oh. Apparently, there's two vessels, though, of different models. Okay. And, unfortunately, you can't take vehicles on board. Oh, no. No. 
it's a little bit of a shame. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's half, it's half an hour, uh, almost, almost directly south from downtown Toronto versus, like I said, about three hours of dealing with bullshit traffic uh, going around the shoreline of the lake. Hmm. It looks like they're having a public consultation at the end of the month in St. Catharines. And yeah, in the article, it look, it sounds like they're they're pushing this thing as, oh, we're green friendly. <laughs> we're going to take cars off the QEW, and so there's going to be less greenhouse gases. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it takes yeah, more energy to lift a hovercraft than to drive over a bridge. I mean, most of the work done by the bridge, well, I don't know, in the physics definition of work, this might be, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a statics physics uh, definition, maybe this is the wrong terminology, but most of the work is done by the bridge. It just stands there and provides an uh, opposing force, a normal force. Well, I'm thinking more like the actual, like, pollution out of the tailpipe of the cars. Well, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that the car is held up by the uh the bridge and if you had a hovercraft you have to do more than just you to to float over the water like that it takes more energy than to float on the water like a boat or like a log or and even more energy to um than what it would take to have tires that are well, what if, just standing what if still, the hovering right? isn't an actual hovering but rather it is like one huge rubber pontoon that everything else sits on top of. Well, that's just because that's what I'm looking at. That's what this looks like in the photo of the thing. That's usually how hovercrafts work. They have a big pocket of air underneath. I built a hovercraft before. Did I ever tell you yeah, that? Yeah, but it look it doesn't look like it's a pocket <laughs> of air. It looks like it's a it looks like it's like some like a ferry sitting on top of like a big sack, a big rubber sack of air. There was a design for a leaf blower hovercraft that we uh, we put together once. Like when I was a kid, we were in a science program that was organized by I can't even remember who who did that, but I'm sure yeah. If you look up leaf blower, blower hovercraft, there's a number of these where you have basically a leaf blower, basically pointing down into a um, piece of plywood, and then you have a skirt around it. And the the rubber thing you've talked about that looks like a dinghy is called the skirt. And you well, I know it's a it skirt, and... but it it doesn't look it doesn't look like like a skirts that I would think of with a hovercraft. It actually looks like it rounds up underneath and encloses the well, whole. You don't thing. know. Stop trying to look up the skirt. I can't help it. I always look up skirts. <laughs> oh lord! Well, when this comes out, this will be a fun thing to track. Yeah, Ontario. I'll probably I'll probably give it a ride back and forth. Yes. The Ontario hovercraft. Looking up, uh, I don't know how much they'll like me trying to look up its skirt, though. You have to get a scuba uh, diving uh, gear. <laughs> oh, no. Now we're downhill. This is the worst Dude, we're always downhill. The whole show is just garbage, and uh, I don't even know why people are sending us money. Let me do podcasts real fast. Uh, I want to All right, run through the podcasts. Hog Story had episode uh, 316 called Iron Cheeks. That was back on Monday. And then right after them, they had Behind the Schemes had episode 116. And the, the title of this was Germany Greater Than Science, Greater Than Wife. And uh, I just wanted to comment. This is one of the best... One of my favorite, I should say. There's been some really good episodes of Behind the Schemes once in a while, but these, it, it, maybe more than once in a while, but this one was particularly good. 
and I'm and it was actually a Boobery and Lightbright episode. So Boobery uh, basically did both sides of the show, and Lightbright was there for for commentary and to help move things along. She's actually did a good job, um, but this was a really interesting show, which had um, it got me thinking in a way that uh, normally kind of the kooky, the the esoterica podcast kind of stuff doesn't. But every once in a while you hit an episode that really gets you going, and this one did it for me. So I would recommend listening to this uh, particular episode of Behind the Schemes. The topics they covered mostly had to do, and they he looks at, Boober is presenting the story of radium, and um, they allude to some of the discovery of it and how it was processed, but they don't. there's not quite that much detail into it. It's just enough that lets you understand what's going on. But the framing of the episode is more with the morality of the early uh, 1900s. And it's a very interesting parallel between what was going on basically 100 years ago and now and some of the attitudes. And and uh, it was quite interesting to listen to. Um, Bowl After Bowl had episode 189, which was first owner movie. Uh, that was just last night. That's... Uh, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. I should say Hog Story is Carolyn Blaney and, and John Fletcher. Uh, by the way, yes, it is. John Fletcher uh, sent us some uh, some art. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to share How? this with you uh, by email. <laughs> oh, that's why I haven't seen it. And and uh, I'm gonna. Do you have the back channel open? I have the back channel open. I've got a, both of them. I've. I'm gonna. Pop a couple of these to you, and I just well, want to get you. Two out of three back channels are open. Oh yeah, you one the of them's kind of swollen. One of them's sealed up. Ooh. <laughs> so I sent you, I sent you some of the show art that that we got. It, it actually looks pretty interesting. We've got some weird eyeball looking thing. Rare encounter, dude. That that makes me think of uh, Gort. It makes me think of hemorrhoids. Oh no, the <laughs> I see the eyeball thing. Yes. Yeah, and Gort. There, I now I know what you mean from um, the day the Earth stood still. Yeah, the one that I saw at first was the second one, and that's yeah that that has like this total Gort feeling to it. Did you ever see the remake of that with Keanu Reeves? Was it nope. Keanu Reeves? Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> I did rewatch the original, and what was very interesting to me is how contemplative the movie was. It didn't have a the pacing of it allowed it to be kind of slow and like I had it on and it was, I don't want to say it was relaxing to watch, but it was because uh, it makes it, it makes it sound like you're going to fall asleep. It's, it's a very interesting movie, but it doesn't rush itself. And it has, um, it has a good way that it kind of carries itself around. I, I don't know how, how else to describe it. It's like the way it moves from place to place is, uh, is fun. Do you have yeah. a favorite story about the day the earth stood still? No, I, I don't. I've I've actually been thinking for the last little bit about uh, the one last thing that I am bringing in tonight. Yep. Which is a follow-up from last week. Remember how we had... Remember the taxidermy from last week? Yes, I do. It's been haunting my Guess dreams. what? There's more! Oh, God. I'm going to post a link into the chat and take a look at this happy fellow. Boy. That is a derpy dog. That's a husky, or it should have been a husky. It's really a dusky. It, apparently, it's a wolf in a Kaliningrad museum. I found this on another subreddit, uh, Taxiderpy. That's not a wolf, it's a dolf. <laughs> it's a dolf. <laughs> Serpent says it's the toilet coyote. 
Yeah, as you've heard of Coyote Ugly, this is Coyote Toilet. <laughs> oh wow! It's the, it's got that stare, very very, yeah. uh, very unnerving. But it's not. It's unnerving, but it's not threatening. No, it's not threatening. It, it does, it's it's too it's too derpy to be threatening. It's got kind of a dickhead, if you know what I mean. Does that? Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Oh, I understand what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> the uncanny coyote says mutter. Yes. This okay. is this is like the Forrest Gump of uh, of, <laughs> of Grey Wolves. Well, I wasn't gonna go there, but there you can go there. I I always go places where nobody else wants to go. Oh, it's man. my thing. Well, we have uh, speaking of some people want to go to this place, which is surprising to me, and uh, that's my bad segue into Boostergrams. We have to get some Boostergrams throughout the show, and we got some segment at the end to cover the ones that came in during the show. And, yeah, uh, we got we got a few here, so I'll read them off. Top of the list, we got eighty eight eighty eight sats from Cotton Chin, and this time he actually included a message. He says, "Hey man, Larry. Hey man, it's Larry. Hey man, I think Larry's not here, man. I think Cotton Chin's making a reference to a Larry that we both knew." Uh, this is bad show. <laughs> no one knows what Larry you talk. I know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about a Larry who built a a playground once. This, ah. is, this is not the Larry that that uh, that we're, we were discussing. Very no. interesting. Thank you, Cotton Gin, for eight 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 sets. Well, they eight eight eighty eight eighty eight eighty eight eighty eight. Yeah, I didn't know people like Hitler that much. It's fa- fascinating. Um, no, that would be fourteen eighty eight. <laughs> we've got nine 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 nine. No, no. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Okay, read that one off. 9999 from Carolyn. She doesn't love Hitler. Boosting. 9999! Boosting for the premium radio voices. Ah, she she's telling oh, us a- that, yeah, that, yes, uh, Darren and Larry sound a lot better than we do. <laughs> um, what did you take? The 2112 from Boobery. Yeah, so we got a rush boost from Boobery. And he says, yeah, because 2112, right? Yep. The album. Yes. And he says, boycotted Duncan for a long, long time. There was a record store in Greensboro with huge racks of $1.50 records. The owner of the building sold out, sold it to those Duncan bastards, and the record store was forced to close. I still have to this day some photos framed of a Kiss concert that a friend of mine bought from there. Interesting. Yeah, Dunks took over a local market in my hometown. It was up on a hill. Um, My grandparents met on an orchard way up in in town and anyway they had a farm stand that was below down at the bottom of the hill and um not not quite where the farm stand was but adjacent to it there is a there was a store that was there for a long time and they would have it was like a you know country store kind of thing and you could go inside there used to be a guy who made subs there which was pretty good then it got sold to one group and then another group and got passed around town a couple times um and it was there under different ownership for a few years but then finally it got bought by duncan's and then all of the cool stuff where you used to be able to go in and get like green mountain coffee or you might be able to go in and get something uh you know normal country store kind of stuff and they just replaced Instead, it with the dunks yeah. dunks drive yeah so no no more neat stuff now just like terrible on terrible over sweetened donuts and brown sludge yeah, there's only one thing that I have to say about this. Those bastards. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I thought you had something else to say about it. Oh, no. <laughs> that one, too. And 
I am uh And for this B. And for this B. Yeah, I'm and sad for, for this B. B. I'm sad for this B. We're all sad for the B. We got one more uh boost from Cotton Gin and Tonic. Yeah, Cotton Gin sent in another 1508 sats. And in this one, he also left a message which says, now build a hoverboard. Now, to build a hoverboard. So I think I, I, think I get what's going on. When he, when he sends with Fountain, he includes a message. But when he sends with Podverse, he doesn't. Interesting. Yes. I think that might be true. Now, I see other people are sending with Podverse and include messages. But I'm scrolling through, and and that uh, that one that I mentioned, uh, the 1369, isn't the only one from Cotton Gin through Podverse that has no message. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. This is this guy's habit. I think we've cracked the code. This is uh, this is what he does. We're on to you. We're on to you, Cotton Gin. Yeah, I got some one thing to say to you. I'm out of time. And I think we have to close the show. Uh, <laughs> I got some new stuff on. Yeah, the I, th I think we. I've, I think we've made the people suffer enough. Yeah. For tonight, we're over time anyway. So that's okay. We're shut cool. Up, get out! You shut up! Get out! Yep. Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. And stay fruity, boys. Adios. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?